Hey, Aaron, have you heard that we have a promotional code for SpeechTherapyPD.com? I think I heard the same thing. Yes. So <laughs> as if we both hadn't heard that. <laughs> but um, it's First Bite. So if you log on to SpeechTherapyPD.com and enter the promotional code First Bite, it takes $10 off an annual subscription. And Aaron, do that you want to? includes all the pod courses. Yes, and we have four now. I'm not sure if y'all knew that. We have four. We have first we have a new one. Yeah, we do. It's Speech Uncensored. Um, and in case y'all haven't heard of this lovely lady, she focuses on adults. And I know that there's a fair few of you out there that PRN impedes and or PRN in adults. So be sure to check out Speech Uncensored. And it also includes the Speech Link and the SLP Now podcast with Miss Marisha, who I like fangirl crush. She's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Okay. All right. So promo code is first bite. Whoop whoop. And don't let it autocorrect you to B Y T E because it does. It did that to me a couple times. So Woo-hoo. there it is. Woo <laughs> Hi, it's Aaron. I'm your regular co-host of First Bite. First of all, I want to thank y'all so much for tuning and listening to First Bite. We've been incredibly encouraged and excited by the feedback we've received, and are looking forward to the future. In the meantime, if you've been enjoying First Bite, please take a moment. Maybe pause your device to subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. This podcast started out as a small idea to bring convenient, tangible resources to SLPs and other professionals, and we value your feedback more than anything. Leaving those reviews truly helps us out. Enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, functional resources for the pediatric clinician. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MSCCC SLP, the all things peds SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in Cola Town, South Carolina, and guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light and hope to the world for the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding best practice for running a private practice, and all the nitty-gritty details involving feeding and swallowing by interviewing the subject matter experts themselves. We bring the data to you. Every fourth episode, I am joined by the lovely Erin Forward, MSP, CF, SLP, a Yankee transplant who actually inspired this journey and who also walks the wild, woolly, and sometimes sticky walk of early intervention with us. Sit back, relax, and watch out for all the squirrels, and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP here, and our guest today is Stephen Neese, M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P and the mastermind behind the Speech and Language Songs YouTube channel. The topic of today falls in the functional category, and we are talking all things AAC. Now, in case you haven't figured it out by now, I'm sort of on a mission to make sure that I save everyone out there from the errors that I have made along my journey in AAC. They may or may not include way too much fringe vocabulary, waiting too long to start AAC, assuming I had actually functionally train families and teachers and how to use it with the patient. I mean, I've been wrong like a lot of times and the list could go on, but I am seriously working on not using self-deprecating humor like all the time. So trust me when I say that I continue to be in a work in progress. And that's one of the reasons why I love having so many guests on who do do an excellent job with AAC. So today's guest Sir Stephen Neese, President-Elect Elective Skisha. He's not only one of the very few males in our female-dominated profession, but he is also one of those SLPs. You know, the one that you always run into at a cool conference or an interesting CEU course. 
the one that you know has all the answers. But he's also one of those SLPs. He always gives advice with total calmness and clarity and never condescension. That's grace. That's the kind of SLP that we need more of. Plus, his wife is like seriously, possibly one of the most adorable women I know. And her pub, The Alley, in downtown Aiken, South Carolina, it regularly hosts and donates to our Sharonda Coleman Singleton Memorial Scholarship. Also, shameless Skisha plug, we are accepting donations year-round to the Sharonda Coleman Singleton Memorial Scholarship. It's a scholarship established in the honor of Sharonda Coleman Singleton, an SLP who lost her life during the Mother Emanuel shooting in Charleston several years ago. And like, I'm trying not to cry, so you're crying, I'm not. Um, each year, Skisha awards a $500 scholarship to a minority student pursuing an undergraduate or graduate degree in the field of speech-language pathology here in our Palmetto State of South Carolina. So check out skisha.net, that's S-C-S-H-A.net, and we are always grateful for your donation. All right. So Stephen, back to the work at hand. Tell us, sir, how are all things AAC in Aiken, South Carolina? And I am dying to know, how are you the speech path and the little lady, the pub owner? Because that's delightful. <laughs> uh, we are doing good. So that, that was a lot to live up to, that uh, description. I'm not sure oh. if I know uh, hardly any answers whatsoever, but uh, <laughs> I definitely try. The uh, wonderful wife part is true. So I hope... Uh, she'll listen to this. I'll make her listen to this. So she he <laughs> hears me saying that. So that's good. Um, so <laughs> things are good. <laughs> things are good in Aiken. And you're definitely right um, about uh, not knowing a lot about AAC. I mean, I'm sure this is an area of weakness for a lot of us, including myself. Uh, this past few years, especially this past year, has been when I really have focused on learning more. And there's a lot to learn. Um hmm. And uh, being a uh, male, is, that's another true part there. That's uh, not many of us around. Uh, luckily, I had a, a few people in my life early on that I knew that were speech therapists. And uh, they kind of uh, showed me this world that I was not even aware of at the time. Uh, did some observations back then and realized that this is a pretty neat profession. Uh, definitely wanted to make a difference in this world in uh, any way that I could. Uh, so this worked out. Um, so and then I was looking at incorporating music, like I was uh, doing classical guitar and things like that at USC at the, at the moment. Uh, so I was trying to figure out how I was going to make all these things fit. Uh, so it took a while, but then I started doing some music along with uh, speech therapy, which has been fun as well. Yeah, I, I know. I've had a couple patients that... Um, I, what I like about your YouTube channel, it's speech and language songs, is that the cadence and the rhythm is slower and my the patients that I'm working with can keep up with it. Oh, that's neat. And, uh, great, great to hear that. Yes, yes. And there's a core vocab one that you did. And I can't, it was one of your first songs and yeah. I did it with the AAC device. And the mom was like, this is the perfect rhythm because everything else out there is so fast. I was like, yeah. I know. <laughs> right. I like, yeah. And, that, and that's one of the big things that uh, I'm trying to do is uh, put out a lot of core vocabulary songs. And I'm doing that uh, pretty much every week. I do that every Monday now. I did a lot of articulation songs for a while there, but now mm -hmm. I'm turning my focus to core vocabulary. And if we look, you know, there is a um, hundred words uh, that make up 50% of what we all say. So mm -hmm. my goal is to slowly tackle all 100 of those words and try to do that slow pace, try to make it accessible and also be able to do like different levels. So you have a sentence like, I want to go to the park or something like that. <laughs> so you can have a child that is completing the entire sentence with all that core vocabulary as, as well as that fringe word at the end, but also a child that may just be ready for just go. And every time they're going through the sentence, they're just practicing that word go. Um, but uh, you can use it in therapy, but also can be a really good carryover uh, tool. So you, you, you're you out of there, but the parents are playing that maybe every day and they're utilizing that device alongside with it. Uh, so that was kind of the idea, the initial idea, but I'm still trying to uh, hone it, uh, get it better. But uh, uh, what you said about the pace was definitely one thing that I was thinking about from the beginning. Needs to be slow. Uh, simple, uh, accessible. Yes, yes, because fine motor skills and motor planning and a lot of our little ones that utilize AAC is compromised. 
So absolutely, and and just uh, making it that's something that's fun and enjoyable to do, rather than just this practice, practice, practice that's not very engaging. So I was hoping this would be a good way to practice. Um, it can be just one tool in the tool belt of many, many different things. It's just one thing that you could utilize. Yeah, I'm, I got to say, I'm excited about the go part because I may or may not have slipped in my socks on hardwood floors. Last <laughs> week. Um, we were playing um, stop go with like catch and sure. dad had the teeny, tiny, little, tiny human in his hands. And I had the AAC device and was running backwards at the same time that the tiny human sibling like darted in between. But she had her Rapunzel costume on complete with the long hair. Now that's <laughs> so, funny. Like, we hit go comedy bears ensued and i was like there's got to be a safer way to do this for me <laughs> but like, i mean everybody else is fine um so occupational more. hazard there <laughs> yeah this was not in the job description <laughs> speech therapy no. oh my god okay all right so there's there's our backstory all right so um i know we've covered this um I think we covered this last November with Carol, but everybody views core vocab and how they find resources on core vocab different. So um, explain and and your professional background, you work as the director of assistive tech in Aiken, right? I do not. I do not. I'm close to that. But uh, we have an assistive technology lead and I'm one of the two SLPs that focuses on AAC in the school district. Okay. And so you work with the early childhood specialist department. That is correct. Okay. We do early childhood, but we also are doing uh, pre-K through high school. So we're doing any AAC stuff for any of those kids across the school district. So for those of us that are listening, you're kind of on the receiving end of those of us in the early intervention world. So, uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, uh, we have some assessments that are coming in that we have a separate team that does those evaluations. But if um, AT or AAC is something that's needed to be looked at, then they're bringing in either myself or my uh, partner in crime there. Uh, she's an SLP that focuses on AAC as well. Our, one of us will be uh, taking care of it. Or we, a lot of times we're working together, bouncing ideas off and trying to figure it out. But yes, we will receive them. Definitely. Yeah, I like I like that because I just I wanted to give everybody the 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 picture like there's this is the transition period y'all this is and as the early intervention therapist I highly recommend that you reach out to the AAC person on the um you know within the LEA the local educational agency whoever Absolutely. That you work with because they need to hear from you. This has worked. This hasn't worked and have that bridge of communication. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that, that, yeah, that's super important. And it's uh, beyond just AAC. It's just in general, uh, having that bridge being very clear. And uh, it, it stinks when you lose that information and then you are retrying things that uh, someone out there knows that does not work or has not worked yep. in the past. And that's really valuable information to have. Yep. Okay. All right. So squirrel number one. All right. Sure. So what is core vocab? Should I target core vocab or friends during therapy when I'm utilizing an AAC device? So Sure. I mean, I think this is a, a big question, really. Um, it's something that we're hearing a lot about. We're talking a lot about um, because I, I think in the past, and I know I, I did this, I, I remember uh, about six years, uh, or seven years ago when I was really first trying to utilize AAC. I I wasn't really sure what I was doing at that point. And a lot of the things that I was focusing on were nouns. And uh, Mm -hmm. now I know a little bit better. I know that uh, those are all fringe words. Like 100% of the things that I was targeting were fringe. Um, And those cannot be used across contexts. So we're in one room, we're doing, this is just this one item. But if we go somewhere else, we don't have those items there, then those are really not helpful. And then the core vocabulary words, then these can go across context. uh, So we can use them pretty much everywhere. Uh, And that's why they're very powerful. And something that I mentioned earlier is that 100 words that we say make up, or excuse me, 100 words make up 50% of what we say, Just, just 100 words. So if we're targeting those 100 words in therapy, we're trying to carry those over. 
then those are going to be so much more effective than 100 words that were all nouns that are very context specific. And then if you go beyond that, there are 400 words that make up about 80% of what we say. So, I mean, that's a big chunk of what we say. And then you can kind of sprinkle in uh, that fringe vocabulary as well. So, uh, what uh, me and my uh, partner, Christina Stater and, and uh, Aiken County, we're doing a good bit of push-in lessons um, this past school year, and we're going to be doing them uh, next year as well. And we're focusing, uh, we really kind of look at that 80-20 model. So, eight, and that's kind of what, what we what we say here is like core vocabulary is 80% of what we say, and then the fringe vocabulary is about 20%. And we kind of model our lessons after that. So, we're not saying we're not going to touch fringe vocabulary. We're never, there's no place for it. They're absolutely is. Um, but uh, we try to model our lessons like that. So the main bulk of it is going to be core vocabulary while we're sprinkling in that fringe vocabulary. And there are some exceptions to that as well. Uh, and one exception is uh, a child that is not ready for a full-blown complex speech generating device. They may be only ready at that moment in time, uh, ready for a single switch that's speech generating, um, but they have no motivation to utilize Go or won't or anything like that. But maybe we need to start with a a preferred item or something like that, or maybe food, you know, so food's a big motivator a lot of time. Um, So that can be the start. And then we bridge over to core vocabulary, but keeping in mind how important core vocabulary is at that point. Um, Even when you're using French, you know that you're trying to get there. Um, That's kind of a last resort. It's like this kiddo's not being motivated by really anything. We're singing and dancing here and this is still not working, but maybe we need to go to a preferred item that we are aware is a fringe word, is a noun, and it's not context. It's not going to be used across context, but this is what what motivates that kiddo. So uh, there are definitely some exceptions and that's kind of one of them. Um, and so that that's kind of what we try to do and we try to model the the core vocabulary over and over and over and have a really big focus on that um and we try to share that with the team so they can kind of see how they can use that word all day long there's so many different contexts within you know go is a a perfect example we're going to go to lunch now we're going to go to the bathroom you're going all day long and you're stopping all day long so uh it's very powerful in that the uh, special education team really sees uh, the power of those core vocabulary words. And, and that's a, it's a shift. It's a shift from thinking about nouns as being the first place to go to uh, shifting it over to core vocabulary. And I know it, it takes time to make that shift, but that's what the evidence is showing is the most appropriate thing to do. It's the biggest bang for our buck is to focus on that core vocabulary. Okay. So I have like so many thoughts. My first okay. thought is when you say the shift it makes me think of in the NICU how we're going from quantity of feed to the quality of the feed. Like sure. put the MP tube in, let the kid have like nourishment, but work on the quality of the feed to set them for success. And that's that's like steering a ship. I mean, that's that's right. huge in that in that frame or in that in that setting. And that's everything that you just described. I, I can just see that that parallel right there. Sure. And then as far as the take home for us in the home health world, I know I had this conversation yesterday. Um, uh, um, I have a, a kid who I've worked with for a year and three months, and we're transitioning to the LEA for early childhood special education services. And they had the IEP, and we're going through the IEP goals. And, um, you know, little one has um, Down syndrome, but at just shy of three years of age, this baby girl has overcome so many multiple etiologies, like it's exhausting to rattle them all off, but we've had a lot of surgeries, pretty extensive. And she is, she is verbal and she can, has a 1.1.5 verbal MLU. Um, if it's a desired object, like you said, she will rattle off two word combos to get the desired object, but her preferred first form of communication is ASL because of the severity of our hearing loss. And now ears have been repaired, conductive hearing loss has improved. So now we're seeing the verbal push, but they, um, the, the question that mom posed was, 
and you know, I've pushed core, 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 core. Mom was like, they told me at the school that they do month long thematic units and they focus mm. on one book all month long. And I'm like, absolutely. I can't tell you how many months of September's I have read the little red barn. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the big red barn, but I've read that. Right. And so my suggestion to her was this is an opportunity for her to take her core vocab with her fringe vocab. And for her, her fringe vocab is predominantly sign because she knows her core in verbal. I was like, we can do chicken and start making the noises and, and those kind of things. But like that was mom. I had to help mom wrap her, you know, support around that concept of a month long theme. But folks that are out there listening, you can embed the fringe vocab of the animals in that theme. Um, and, doesn't just have to be restricted to a speech generating or non-speech generating device. We can also do utilize a total communication input. So those were, those were my thoughts, but yeah. make sure that you're, you, you're communicating with the LEA when you're setting all this up. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and one other thing to think about, I mean, NAAC, definitely we, we kind of think about those as devices, but I mean, it's augmentative and alternative communication that includes yeah. all forms of communication other than oral speech. And we have to really think about what's going to make the most sense uh, for those individual children. You know, it's really hard to say this is the exact pathway to go. You, you have to really look at each of those situations individually. And what are they going to be able to use to express their thoughts, their needs, their wants, their ideas? Um, and that can be a bunch of different things depending on the uh, the child's situation. And another yeah. thing to think about as far as the uh, the books, I mean, you pull, you can pull any thematic uh, lesson any book. And again, it's going to be pretty close to that 80-20 split. You're going to have 80% of those close to it uh, are core vocabulary. So you can focus on those for a month, no doubt. Um, so yeah, that's no problem at all. So you can pull a book off, off the shelf and it has plenty of core vocabulary uh, that you can target. Hey, I'm not sure if you've caught the updates yet, but I have the pleasure, if you haven't seen it already, of announcing the 2020 SpeechTherapyPD.com Conference at Sea. We are going aboard a Royal Caribbean Alaskan cruise departing Vancouver, British Columbia, July 10th through 17th of 2020. And I am thrilled and humbled to be announcing that I will be presenting. I have a, a three-hour course, a two-hour course, a one-hour course, and I'm co-presenting another three-hour course. And my co-presentation will be with the one and only Lee Ann Porter of Speech Uncensored, which is Speech Therapy PD's newest adult pod course podcast that we just added to our lineup. And Marisha McGordy, the guru behind SLP Now, will also be there. And if you register before September 30th, then you get a free six-month subscription to SLP Now. So again, make sure that you register before September 30th of 2019 for the Speech Therapy PD conference at sea, um, which is July 10th through 17th of 2020. And I cannot wait to see y'all aboard a ship where we're going to see real life bears and like, hopefully we'll get to see Northern Lights. So whoop, whoop, see you at sea. Bye. I, and the freight train has come back into my world. I thought I was done reading that book, but it has pulled <laughs> back. And <laughs> that, when you said pull a book off a shelf, it got pulled off today in my therapy session this morning. It's like, hello, old friend. <laughs> I've seen you now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, all right. So we we've we got that one covered. Now, how do you how do you go about choosing an appropriate AAC device? a client or a patient because you work in the setting where you have it easily accessible. Me, I have to drive across town off of Farrow Road to go by the assistive tech office or right. open proof the family has an iPad and let me download and or um, what does Miss Michelle have at home that she can bring in and leave for two or three months. Right. So Yeah. So uh, in different settings, you have kind of different challenges. Uh, we're fortunate to work in a uh, school district that's fairly large. Uh, so we can have a few uh, different trial devices on hand. Uh, so mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about that. But uh, the... 
uh, choosing the appropriate AAC device is a pretty big question. You know, uh, it's a kind of a long process and you need to take your time going through this process to figure out what's the most appropriate thing. And I know I've heard uh, this quote before. It's kind of like uh, you hand a device to somebody. It's about the same as just handing a piano to somebody. Uh, they're not going to automatically learn how to play the piano just because they have it. And they're not going to just automatically use that device just because you hand it to them. So it, you have to go through this long process of figuring out what's appropriate uh, for that individual kiddo. And again, th- these are individualized situations. So we really have to think about them. And uh, so, in, again, in uh, the private setting, it's going to be a little bit different, but in the school setting, so we can look at starting with an AT assessment is what we typically do. Um, we have a referral, and so we kind of walk them through, okay, we're going to do an assistive technology assessment to really get a, a broad view of the kiddo, and then we're going to kind of pare down and get more specific as we go along. So, What's included in your assessment? Sure. All right. So we have an online form that asks them, a ton of questions. And then uh, if there's an um, indication that there's a need for uh, communication, then it uh, bumps out and asks them a bunch of more specific questions. And depending on their answers, it kind of changes. So Who that's been... It's, out? Uh, we did. We actually uh, did it for our school district. So it took okay, a, so a... The SLP and the teacher or... Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, You said who fills it out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the whole team. It depends okay. on uh, the situation, of course. You know, so we uh, have situations where it's typically the SLP and the teacher are going to be the core of that. But uh, depending on the situation, if we have an occupational therapist, because we definitely talk about that, as well as a physical therapist, we have vision in, involved, hearing involved, sometimes an ATP is even involved. Uh, if we really need uh, that person, I know we had a situation earlier in the year uh, that we utilize an outside ATP to help us uh, figure that out, uh, figure out. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that is. What's an ATP? Oh, okay. It's a, I believe it's assistive technology professional. So they, that is oh. a certification they get. And they're really figuring, they're, it's, oh, it's very. Yes. You okay. Know, okay. Yeah. So I'll put that soup at the end of the name. Yeah. yeah. So okay. in a, a lot of times, like, uh, so our situation that I'm thinking of is a uh, PT and the ATP kind of work together. I was there. They were talking about a lot of things that I didn't know, but that was the reason why they were on the team and were very helpful. And they were really working on access. They're working on access and the equipment that would allow that access. So that was kind of yeah. really their role in that situation. It, and again, I, it, the answer is kind of, it depends, you know, uh, so we have a lot of different people uh, involved, but uh, let's say the access method is, uh, you know, direct selection. It's very simple. Uh, there's no fine motor, gross motor. There's nothing going on with vision or hearing. It could be just the SLP and the special education teacher, and that's it. That, that could be appropriate uh, depending on the situation, but we have a form that we've created, but we didn't just make up things, of course. So we uh, utilize the uh, set framework, and that's, uh, I think, uh, Joy Zabala. Uh, created that a, a while back, and that stands for Student Environments, Tasks, and Tools. And so that has a bunch of different scaffolds depending on the situation. It's really kind of a cool, flexible tool that you you, you can use this for that, use another piece for that. Again, it's individualized, so you don't have to do the whole, uh, whole thing regardless of the situation. So it kind of changes um, and is malleable, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So and the, another thing that we utilize is uh, the, the assessment resources from Wadi. Um, and let me, what was Wadi? Wisconsin Assistive Technology Initiative. Um, so, and they have a lot of resources as well that we utilize. It, we actually, that, I believe that was three years ago. Uh, we had a, a team that we, we, sat down and created this assessment, but we used all these things that were already present. Um, so we definitely uh, utilize all of those different things. But anyway, that, that's kind of where we start. Uh, so doing a general assistive technology assessment. And that gives us a ton of information to go off of. Um, and then typically, uh, we're looking at and, and then we're kind of let's uh, just say that this is just an AAC situation. We've kind of figured out access method and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So then we kind of look at the major points of just the AAC part portion of it. And that's really the communication needs, uh, the ability to understand and use language in general, and then like a physical assessment, again, access method. And then we're really considering what type of device are we going to use? What a language or what organizational language uh, system are we going to use? And then that access method, again, of course. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? So, 
But okay, before you go further, okay. I just want to know where <laughs> I asked this because I may or may not have seen this awesome picture highlighting you with an arrow. But where did you go? What courses have you taken to learn this from? Like what events? Sure. Uh, and uh, ATI is a big one. ATI is huge. Uh, we try. I try to go to AT Expo every year, which has a lot of good information. And that's so- yeah, I that alphabet soup. No, oh, sorry. All right. Uh, so at AT Expo, and uh, I'm in South Carolina, Aiken. Uh, so we uh, go to the AT Expo every year. Carol Page is the head of the SCAT P and some more alphabet soup. And that's a South Carolina assistive technology program, I think program. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she is that does that thing. And Carol Page is fabulous. I know she's been on the podcast before. She has yeah, so, so, so much information. Yeah. Uh, so she is awesome. Um, and but also ATIA. So I went three years ago. Uh, my uh, the person that I keep uh, mentioning, the person that I work closely with, has gone the past three years as well. We went together as well as the assistive technology lead in uh, Aiken County went to ATIA as well this past year, which was a lot of information. And ATIA stands for Assistive Technology International Association, um, and that is probably the conference to go to uh, in the world, I guess. Um, Does it move? Does it, I mean, is it always at the same place? It, it is. It, it, every year it's in Orlando. So uh, you can uh, oh, sneak you can over. You can sneak over now. to do uh, Disney or something like that on the trip down there. But ATI was huge. So every year we learned a lot of different things. And the, the one big takeaway, uh, I remember going to sessions with uh, Joy Zabala, uh, Gail Van Tattenhove in the past uh, and learning a lot from them. Um, and another one big piece that I wanted to talk about as well, and I'll kind of get further into it uh, later, is the ALP uh, for AAC. And that's something that we learned about this past year. Uh, the person that I, my partner, the person I work with closely, she had heard about it that the year before as well, uh, but it wasn't fully fleshed out yet. Um, so that was a, another big piece for our AAC assessments that we've been utilizing. Okay, so then do it. What's the ALP? Okay, well, we can get into it. All right, so the ALP is really cool. And so this is uh, something that you, I mean, you can really use this for any AAC evaluation. Uh, the, what I really started framing it as, so this was uh, a little gap in knowledge, a little gap in where I wasn't sure exactly what to do with a certain uh, kiddo. And that's a kiddo that wasn't utilizing a device. They're not able to utilize a device. We're not consistently getting them to be able to actually access anything, even if it was a single button speech generating device or something like that. I felt a little um, out, of, out of my element uh, with that. But after seeing the ALP, which is uh, what stands for the Access Learning Process for AAC. Uh, so that was a big help with that. Um, and if you would like, I can kind of go into it a little more detail to kind of show w- what it was. Is that fine? Yes, yes. Okay, I, need, sure. I need you to go in because I'm trying to visualize it. And so I'm imagining you sitting there talking with your hands because I'm on my end sitting here talking with my hands. Right, right. I, I have the have the app up and so I can see it. So it's a lot uh, more helpful that if you are looking at it, uh, so you can kind of pull it up and look at it as I talk through it as well. But uh, oh. the access learning process, the app for AAC was developed very recently by PRC, a print key romance company. So the, they developed it and published it. So it was based off of um, uh, the ALP was basically for mobility. Um, and I believe it was developed in Switzerland or something like that. But that was for mobility. And they really took it and switched it over to utilize it for AAC. Um, so and then you kind of go through a couple of different stages in the ALP. So stage one, and I'll kind of start there because this is where it's really important to utilize. So, so stage one is they call it the introvert or exploring functions. And this is a focus on the body and the access method for that uh, individual kiddo. So we're not talking about really communication or language yet or even the environment. So we're talking about body and access method. And this is where we come into, okay, maybe core vocabulary takes a backseat for a moment. So we just are motivating. We're really trying to get them to access things, but we're not forgetting about it. We're just 
putting it on hold for just a moment, just so they uh, get that access method. I'm not so concerned about language, but still keeping it in mind. So there are three different phases within that first stage. And the first one is called novice. And uh, this basically is, this is all new to me. So Stephen, there's, hold yeah. Stephen, hold on one second. Nope. Okay. Set are listening. If you go to practicalaac.org, yeah. she has a post, Carol Zangria. Yes. Uh, Carol, I hope I'm saying your name right. It's from February 8th, 2018. Yes. And she's gone to ATIA. And you can access it right there, point number one. And it has a Google Drive box and this whole spreadsheet written down. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, pull that up and take a look at it. That's that's hilarious because we must have been in the uh, the same session. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that was uh, during that. Um, so uh, so that first section is the or the, excuse me, the first phase of stage one is this is all new to me. And this is where this is the kiddo that I wasn't sure what to do with. You know, mm-hmm. as we got, went up in uh, phases, I felt much more comfortable. But this is the, the person or uh, the kiddo that this is all new to me. No or vague idea of how to use may use unintentionally and be curt curious or just really passive and not really utilizing it at all. Um, it was hard to get from uh, that to uh, being a more proficient user. So this kind of helped me frame that. Um, and let me kind of go a little, little squirrel here. Uh, a side note is this is something that we have not uh, done this school year, but we have discussed it as uh, utilizing this with the team. So giving it to the team and saying, where do you think this kiddo is and like have all the team members kind of discuss it and having that grounding kind of showing you, all right, this is where this child is. And then where do we want to go and how do we get there can kind of really get a good bit of buy-in because that's, uh, you know, a good bit of um, issues that you run into or breakdowns or you, you have these barriers uh, that they, that you need to get across. Uh, so this is kind of a good way that we're going to try to utilize that next year in this way. So uh, w- where are they? And then where, where do we want to go? So, and I'll move on. So phase one was novice, and then we're moving up to uh, curious novice. And this is something is uh, happening, but I'm not sure how or why. So they're kind of getting a little more curious. Uh, they're attempting approximate activation. You may need a lot of prompting going on there. Uh, they have increased interest and alertness during the activity. Activity. So again, this is when you need to really make sure they're engaged. Or you have a really engaging, fun activity. Um I just did this. I I have this kid. We just worked on the word on because she sure. just decided that she loves TV. Yeah. So we hit on and then the fluidity app pops up. Also, if you guys have not heard of fluidity, it's absolutely wonderful. That's cool. <laughs> like, but like she's just starting to when she selects on from a field of four and we, you know, we turn fluidity on and her face lights up as if like she's confused, but starting to uh, this sure. just happened yesterday morning. So no quantify it. This is wonderful. Okay, that's so really cool. And well, and that's super cool that you're utilizing core vocabulary, but you're still engaging the kid. Out. You know that that's perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. So and then the next phase that we go from there is from that curious novice to beginner, and then the beginner is really turning into I'm making that happen. So they're really kind of more conscious of the fact that they're making. They're able to locate target and they show a basic understanding of the access method. All right. So that's really that first stage. So really kind of getting used to that uh, access method. Um, And so I have a, a kiddo that really this entire school year, we moved from novice uh, to curious novice to beginner. And that was pretty much the entire school year to slowly get there. But that's okay. Um, sometimes, especially in the school system, uh, in a lot of school districts, those kids may kind of fall through the cracks. They're not really uh, being... Uh, picked up, they're not uh, they're not really being focused on, which is very unfortunate. But I feel like if somebody is utilizing the uh, the out for AAC, they can really quantify where they are and where they're moving, so they can kind of see some growth throughout the year. Which if I they're like, go ahead, I feel, yeah, I feel like this hits our children that have severe and profound disabilities. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and this is where uh, I was talking about that gap. Like I, I felt like yeah. I had a bit of a gap. I wasn't sure what to do. But as soon as I saw this, it was like, oh, this makes sense. It was a bit of a light bulb. It's like, okay, so I can now quantify where they are and where we're going in very small increments, which helps has helped a ton. And that's why I'm so excited about this tool. 
Yeah. And I don't okay. work. I don't work for PRC or anything. It's just a very, very cool tool. No, but they are awesome. They, they are awesome. awesome. Yeah, we had we had Rebecca Hoke on here. Oh, cool. Well, Becca, but uh, um, talking about lamp a couple weeks ago, sure. and I, I, she's adorable. <laughs> also, she's a mom with a ton of kids, so we had lots of fun booger fart jokes going on too. Okay, so. That's cool. Okay. All right. So hit me, hit me up on stage two. Okay. So sure. Uh, yeah. So you're moving on to stage two. And I think the biggest part of the, the difference between stage one and stage two, it says, you know, we're focused on body access method and communication. So stage one didn't really have communication. It was really that focus on the access method. Um, and so the uh, phase four is the first phase in stage two. I know that's a little bit confusing, but it's called advanced beginner. And that's, I find out more ways to use it. So they're not just using it uh, in one way now. They're able to locate and select target and explore different targets. So that's a big shift there. Um, and they shift, uh, they can shift the attention between people and activity. So that's kind of a big step there. And then you're moving on to phase five, which is sophisticated beginner. And this, I know its use and try to master it. So over shoots and undershoots movement, repeats and varies movement to explore different effects and uh, exhibits frustration at times, but they're growing. That's why they're exhibiting that frustration. They're continuing to explore those sequences. They're exploring what whatever they are utilizing, um, which is very exciting uh, time of that. And then we move on to uh, stage three, and th- they label this um, extrovert exploring performance. And that adds just an, an additional piece here. So the focus is on body, access method, communication, and uh, environment as well. And that has three different phases as well. Uh, so the first phase in that stage is called competent. So we're kind of continuing to move up the ladder. And so I can use this to communicate. So it's purposeful, but unrefined movement, increased sequencing, make ignore mistakes. So they're getting a lot better. They're getting a lot more functional. Um, they still make mistakes, but that's okay. They're uh, continuing to move and continuing to improve. The next one, the next uh, stage, or excuse me, phase is proficient. It's that I'm in control and use it fluently. So uses device uh, access method for multiple functions. Movement is controlled and refined. And then the last phase is expert. So I'm not thinking about how to use this. I just do it. So they're fluid, precise, automatic movement. The task, not access, is focused. So the communication is is the focus, and they can do it very fluidly. Um, so all the way down at the bottom, you know, that stage one, that was kind of really the light bulb moment. Uh, with the stage two and stage three, they, those are typically kids that I felt a little more comfortable with. Um, but I, I'm really liking uh, this whole framework and kind of to be able to quantify pretty much any kiddo that is utilizing AAC. So I really like this. This is this is fantastic. See, I yeah. like I like the level one through threes. Yes, that's that's where that's where I'm at. Give me when we're first connecting, like first figuring it out. That's amazing to me. But when it get into syntax, nope. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> Lord Almighty, I speak English and bad English. Fix <laughs> the grammar. Oh, that's hysterical. Okay, right, so this is a tool that you can use to help direct this and the other ones that you referenced um, to help pick out the right AAC device. Yes. So we're utilizing all of these different things to figure out where we're going to go. And, and a couple of different things that we utilize. Again, it's, it's kind of a holistic approach. You're really individualizing and figuring out what makes sense for that kiddo. That takes teamwork. That takes everybody on the team uh, figuring this out and really talking things through. Um, so one other thing we do is feature matching. Let's say we're kind of we're kind of knowing that oh, we're going to use an iPad or a, a different type of device, uh, but it's going to be a tablet type of thing. But we need to figure out what features are going to be appropriate for that. Um, and there's a really cool feature matching uh, form that is on the SCAT-P uh, website. Another shout out to Carol Page there. Uh, it's a really cool uh, grid that you can kind of go down and see what all these different apps, what features they have and kind of match it up. So you can kind of have an idea. What do we need to try out? Um, and there's a little app called AAC Genie. It's pretty neat. You can try some things out and kind of have a better idea before you actually go into trials and trialing specific AAC apps. So you get all that information prior to well the and the we kind of went on a little uh 
tangent there with the out thing because that was actually kind of going through the process after you've kind of selected uh, a means of which you're going to do that and access method and all that. Um, but uh, you're going to use all these different things holistically to figure out what's going to make sense to try them. Um, and so uh, a lot of times before we try, we're going to mess around with all these things and find a few different options uh, that make the most sense uh, for that individual kiddo based on all this information that we gather. And that can take a while. And uh, typically what we do is uh, we do three different trials and that could expand to four or five, depending on like we don't know exactly uh, what we want yet. We don't know what the kiddo, it makes sense for the kiddo. And again, the kiddo is is first. We're not, uh, I, I know this device better or I know this application better. We try not to do that whatsoever. It's like, what is the preference of the kid? Are you freaking kidding me? I am so guilty of being like, oh my God, Lance, so easy. I know it. <laughs> well, like, and, it, I, I, and it may I, or may I, not be appropriate, but I, you know. Yes, yes, but I try it because I'm in my comfort zone. Sure. And then, but um, I've actually used um, Go Talk Now Light a yes. lot lately. Okay. It's just I can I can kind of set up a field of four, put two items in, sure. and just kind of start see where we're at, and it's quick and it's easy and it's free, right? Uh, yeah. And, well, and and the reason why I kind of say like take your time, go slow with this, try a bunch of different things out, uh, is because we have to kind of keep the end in mind, you know, because if we are utilizing something and then. Two years from now, we're going to change it completely to a completely different application or a completely different access method. It's like starting over. You know, we're starting a new language then. Uh, so that can be very difficult. So we really take our time and go super slow to make sure we're doing the right thing. And then hopefully that's going to save us time in the long run. But uh, typically we go through trials. Uh, ideally, we just do three uh, that are at around 30 days each. Um, but again, we can go uh, beyond that and do more of those. And uh, what we typically do is look at a bunch of different uh, organizational systems. And let me hang on one second. Take your time. All right. I couldn't find. Oh, there it is. All right. So, yeah, go ahead. I was sitting here nerding out and sending that um, that profile, that three levels to like every SLP saved in my cell phone. Yeah. I was- <laughs> It's such a good resource. It's so cool. I'm, I'm so glad that came out with that because that, that's helped us tremendously. But uh, so then we, when we're doing the trials, we re- we're really starting to think about the uh, system organization methods. Like how is the language actually organized? And you hit one uh, talking about LAMP, uh, LAMP Words for Life. And that's really that on that motor planning end. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've used speak for yourself. Um, that's really uh, that motor planning. Uh, you're, it's all in the same location. You know, that action man turns, you know, to, uh, depending on what you hit, uh, turns into that verb, to that action. It's always in the same place. So you have that motor planning. And then you go on the other side of things and we're looking at more something like touch chat with a word, uh, touch at HD with word power, where it's really more grammatically organized and tactically organized. It's doing some prediction uh, based on what words you chose. So things are moving around. Um, so we have to figure out what's the most appropriate thing for that kiddo. Uh, and then another one that's really popular is that Perloquo to go. And it's almost in between those two. It's almost a hybrid because you can kind of go into a certain category or or certain group and see some things, but then you have some of those grammatical and syntactical elements uh, still there. So that's a, it's just kind of in between those two. So we, we typically try at least one from each end of that spectrum and one in the middle. Uh, so we kind of mess around with that and see what happens. And sometimes kids can surprise us and we uh, kind of go down that rabbit hole and say, oh, wow, I would and blown away that this is the app that he took to or she took to and it was very successful with in comparison. I would have guessed it was going to be LAMP, but it was actually touch chat. So that's why we go through those trials to see how that kid, kiddo responds because they have definitely surprised us. I have been surprised. And um, I had one little kiddo that I walked in with uh you know, just my normal bag for my eval and was told he was nonverbal, aggressive, bit, did the whole nine yards and uh, had had ABA and all the therapists before me and nobody had put an AAC device in this kid's hand ever, ever, nor had been tried. And inside of one eval, 
he was doing three word utterances to request his iPad. Wow. That is I was like, the kid was in there and nobody had done it. So y'all, when we say, I mean, do the tree, you know, the, the, I say tree, but that's exactly how I envision that questionnaire. But when you're flying by the seat of your pants and you have nothing, just try something. Because Absolutely. Yeah. Presume, presume that they're going to be able to do it. Uh, give them that opportunity. Yes. Because when we walked out the door, I was like cold chills. Like, oh my gosh, this kid just did it. And mom was like, did he just use his first sentence? I was like, he just used his first sentence. She was like, what was your name? I was like, I'm Michelle. She's like, hi, I like you. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I've never had I've never had that happen since. <laughs> I mean, the, that one time I was like, "Wow, that was cool, God, thanks." Well, that's a that's a game changer for that kiddo. It's a game changer yeah. for that family. Yeah. I can I, and we, I had a we had a similar situation this school year. Uh, we started off with trying some things out, you know, single buttons. Then we started like a manual communication board. It's like a printout of Lamp Works for Life. Uh, none of that was working. Then we tried a Go Talk, like not the app, but like one of those old school uh, Go Go Talk. I think it was like oh, a bloody hard to push, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. After really push down on them, um, and sometimes it doesn't do what you're asking it to do. Uh, but we tried that stuff out. I mean, he was throwing stuff, trying to tear things up. Was not into it whatsoever. Then we gave him a full blown app. Um, like, I think we started with Lamp. Oh. Uh, words for life and the fact that it could we had i i don't know why the go talk was not working maybe it just wasn't enough options for him and because he started rolling and then we tried out uh touch chat 60 i think what was and he was throwing sentences together and no one had ever heard him speak a sentence or speak even a single word and then uh, later in the year he started becoming much more verbal you know so it, it it was very, very surprising. And that we've had a couple of those situations that kind of have opened my eyes to is like, okay, let's just give it a try. Let's just try something. Let's gather all that information that I was talking about earlier. But then we just have to try some things out and see what sticks because, again, we can have all this clinical judgment and still not see what's c- coming. So we, we have to try. We have to try and figure it out. Yes, that's that's okay. So, everybody out there, this is your takeaway a point. I mean, Use all the tools out there, but think outside the box. You can right. bring something in and it may seem like this grandiose Hail Mary gesture, but y'all, it might be the one that sticks. Right. So, yes. Okay. All right. I We get all excited. Can you tell that we love this? Because we're like, oh, and then this happened and then this happened. But all right. So I have to be the bad cop that makes us like look at the clock. <laughs> um, so if a child isn't ready for a complex speech generating device, because basically everything that we rolled, you just rattled off with the exception of the laminated lamp boards for life. Um, uh, it, I mean, everything else that we've praised has been speech generating, but we got those babies that they're not there yet. Right. And um, I mean, I've got one little guy that I would love to do a speech generating one on, but he has um, left side. And I always butcher this word. Help me out here. Hemianopsia, where you can't see the left field of vision. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if I can help you out with that one. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we had massive CVAs, multiple. And so the left field of vision is gone. And so trying, and because of that, you know, the, um, you add in that blue light on most of the speech generating devices, like the tablets, and it overstimulates him and he can't handle the screen. And so, cause he can't discern, um, his cortical vision impairment impairs, impedes him in that capacity. But I know he could have the sentence structure on an SGD. So for, I mean, that's a really complex PMH, but I mean, past medical history, but like not all of them are that complex, but where, where do you start? What process can we do if you have a kiddo that we don't feel that a speech generating device is correct for? You know, uh, so one thing is just getting all of the team involved. You know, we have all of these different experts and know a lot of different things that are way beyond our purview. We need to get them involved with this process and help them uh, help us figure it out. And again, I'm going to go back to what we've talked about probably the most uh, during this podcast is the ALP, you know, access learning process for AAC. Uh, sounds like this kid is going to be 
at that first phase, that novice. This is all new to me. No or vague idea of how to use, may use unintentionally and be curious or passive and then give opportunities. So it may be a single button uh, that we're utilizing just a single switch and be patient. You know, it could take many, many months uh, or even years uh, to get beyond that novice to go moving on to curious novice. So I think it's really just being patient, trying a bunch of different things out, trying to engage, trying to uh, figure out what's the most appropriate access method. Uh, that doesn't really cause a lot of fatigue, something that's the easiest possible thing for them to utilize as an access method and then motivate them to to utilize it and then start showing them how they can utilize this for communication to get the things that they want and need. Okay, so when you say access method, sure. I'm thinking like a switch device or... Um, uh, um, yeah. There's one fan in particular that I'm thinking of that I love to check out and I'm guilty for having a go-to toy. But um, when I borrow it from the assistive tech office, it's the um, it's the foam blade fan. Sure. And I'll try different buttons. Some of them have texture cues, like the little bumps on them. Um, some have ridges. Uh, sometimes there's that, oh, bless, there's that lovely koosh ball one that I love to check out because I like playing with goose balls. So I assume other people would like to play with <laughs> right. But I mean, you push it and then it turns the fan on and I kind of teach cause and effect that away. Sure. Um, and that may be appropriate, you know, uh, yeah, but we have to figure out again. Uh, OT and PT are going to be very helpful with this. Um, so, is is it a hand? Is it a foot? Is it a knee? Uh, is it the inside of the outside of the knee? Are we going to look at direct access via eye gaze, access via head and mouse, uh, just doing that indirect access using a switch, uh, direct selection, them actually pressing something? Do you have to use like key guard or touch guard? or look at the different types of buttons that we have or the types of switches. Is it, does it need to be soft or do we need to have some type of tactile material that's going to help them? It, it's Again, it's very holistic and you have to bring all these different team members involved to uh, figure out what's going to make the most sense and then try a bunch of things out and see what access method works for that kid at the best and uh, limits the amount of fatigue as much as possible. And, and speaking of fatigue, like uh, eye gaze, may seem like a really good option, but it's extremely hard and extremely fatiguing. So it almost is like that needs to be the last resort. You know, let's try any other access method um, if they can, because I guess it's tough. But uh, and, and I guess that's what I, what I mean by access methods. So looking at all those different possibilities and the way that they can utilize the device to communicate. OK, well, talk to me about the knee thing. What do you? What, how, oh what yeah. So you could you could do different uh, switches like inside of the knee. And uh, I remember I was at a um, a training recently. Uh, they were talking about um, eye gaze, but then they went into switches, and they were talking about how uh, they had these uh, uh, people set up with the knee selection. So they're just uh, moving their knee uh, outward. Um, so in pressing the switch that way, and that was their access method. And then down the road, they actually had to get hip replacements because they were using that uh, on the outside, which is pretty crazy. That's not something that uh, anybody really considered. But then they switched it to going inside the knee. And then that prevented that wear and tear, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but so like braced in a wheelchair on maybe the opposite knee yeah. or uh, no, it wasn't on the opposite knee. So it was just mounted. They had a mount uh, for that, uh, that button. And so uh, they could just move their leg in. And that was the only way that that was the, the most appropriate, efficient and least fatiguing access method for that individual. Um, so they couldn't use their hands. They couldn't use their feet. They weren't doing direct selection all of this stuff. Um, so that was what was found by the team to be the most appropriate thing. This is, that is, I would never have thought of accessing a speech generating device resulting in um, needing a hip replacement. <laughs> yeah, so like, no, yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy story when I heard it. So I was like, that definitely had an impact on me. So think of that uh, long-term effects and uh, things like that. I'm, I'm sure they didn't at the time, they didn't see that coming, but uh, you know, we, we learn some things as we go along and then uh, adjust. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great one. Uh, I'm, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty I, crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord of mighty. Okay. 
All right. So I th- we we covered a lot of ground yeah, here today. We, yeah, we went over a lot of stuff. Yeah, my, I I adore you. This is fun. Okay, th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Okay. All right. So, all right. Is there anything that we haven't covered in like a minute and a half, ninety seconds, that you want to cover related to AAC? Um. No. I mean, I feel like we uh, hit a lot of different things. Okay. Okay. Well, I always do a shameless plug for your state. Um. Uh. Assistive Technology Office. Yes. Y'all research where your state office is. Some larger states have two or three, give or take. I feel like Texas has a couple, right? And um, and always remember to give back. So if you have a device or a kiddo who has a device and he's out, he or she has outgrown that device, or if you have a um, older, maybe a grandparent that has had a device and they've passed on, uh, take that device back to your state assistive technology because most of those state associations can refurbish and reuse them and they will give them away wow. for free to folks that need it. So make sure that, you know, you're, you know, pay it forward, dude, pay it forward. My little clean, dirty, hippie heart. I mean, you know, I'm all about paying it forward. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's a great cause. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. So before we leave, um, we kind of talked a little bit about your YouTube channel, um, uh, earlier. And I know that this is kind of sort of right after July 4th. Um, so is there any good end of the summer songs coming out on speech and language songs.com? Or do you have any that you're prepping for school starting in like, you know, eight weeks, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So, uh, what we're, I'm focusing on is a uh, core vocabulary song. So every Monday rocking out a new core vocabulary song. And again, I, I'm trying to hit all 100, um, first and kind of expand from there. So I'm doing a good bit of those. So check out speech and language songs on YouTube to see all of those subscribe to the channel. And that kind of helps me a good bit. And it also kind of helps you stay up to with all the content since there's new stuff coming out every week um and prior to that i I did a bunch of articulation songs i did uh initial media on final of all the different phonemes so those are already uploaded and there for you um so you can kind of check those out and really the idea of those uh, initially was kind of as a carryover uh, activity, maybe as a little homework or something like that, or something over the summer that they can practice their sounds uh, doing it that way. Uh, and a new thing that I am rolling out uh, next school year, so that will be uh, very soon, is uh, personalized songs. Um, so I have a Patreon page, and there's an option there that you can actually select and you get a personalized song. So you can, and the the idea of this is you have a kiddo that has certain likes, wants, and things like that, and things that they don't like and do not want. And uh, so they can put those into a song. I have a little survey that I send you and uh, get all the information regarding that individual kiddo. I mean, you can include the name. You don't have to include the name, uh, whatever you really want to do. I'm very flexible with that. But hopefully that's something that can be a motivating thing. They don't have to necessarily use a speech generating device. But that was kind of the initial thought was uh, they can uh, this could be a big motivator because I know when we start talking about things that they like and do not like when it's really what they like and do not like, they care a lot more. Um, So that may be a thing uh, that you want to look into as well as a kiddo that does not use a speech generating device. It may just be a fun thing for them on their birthday or Christmas or just a random thing uh, to make them smile and make them happy. Uh, So uh, check out that stuff. So that option was on Patreon. So you just look up, go to Patreon and then look up speech and language songs. And then you'll see that there's a little tier that you can select and make that happen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Stephen, I'm a fan. Give the messes my best. We got to come back down. I mean, not too often you find a pub that's kid friendly and we can play. What is that game in the corner? It's not skee ball. What is that? Uh, It's uh, shuffleboard. Yeah, we have shuffleboard. Yeah. It's it's like a table shuffleboard. It I is table. Like, yeah, it's not the uh, cruise ship shuffleboards where it's like on the ground. Yeah, it's a table. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, we only smashed fingers once last time we were there. <laughs> well, that's good. That was good just once. 
tiny voice. So yay. So <laughs> all right. Well, everybody out there, check out um, speechandlanguagesongs.com as well as The Alley in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. And um, be sure to check out that lovely. And what was the name? It was of that um, app or that. Oh, is that Patreon? Is that what we're talking about? Oh, oh, you're talking about Alp. Alp. Yeah. Access Learning Process Alp for AAC. You got it. Yes. Yep. By PRC. Yes. Okay. Hold on two seconds. I have to switch over to questions, okay? Okay. Michelle Dawson, you're all things Peds SLP here with another exciting update brought to you by feedingmatters.org. So if research on pediatric feeding stokes your fire, then join Feeding Matters virtually on August 29th for the inaugural Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance Research Town Hall. Haley Henriksen Estreen, PhD RN, will present strategic updates and initiatives igniting and driving research to advance the elevation and treatment of pediatric feeding disorders. Visit bit.ly backslash PFDA Town Halls to learn more. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies.